Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to part two of our discussion on 1997's Flaming Pie with our special guests, Simon Barber and Brian O'Connor from the hit podcast, Soda Jerker on Songwriting. Welcome to Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. guys think of heaven on a sunday not one of my favorites on the album i mean it's, it's inoffensive enough it does evoke the feel paul was going for you know very very relaxed it kind of puts me in mind more of, of, of sort of a chris rea song than a, than a paul mccartney song not not so much huh. vocally obviously but in terms of the feel it's based around a nice concept though isn't it that idea of heaven being busy, busy, being quiet on a Sunday and busy the rest of the rest of the week. Yeah, I mean that's a typically nice Paul idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If I only had one love, yours would be the one I choose. If I only had one love, yours would be the one I choose. As you say, it doesn't really fit on the mm. record so well. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's slightly maybe yacht rock, which might be kind of apt, really, given <laughs> the genesis of the song. But um, right. yeah, it's 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 okay. You know, the, the whole trading solos with with his son on it is, you know, sort of a nice little touch. Um, although I think now James's contributions sound a little bit, his sound is a little bit, seems dated to me. Mm. But uh, that little sort of family I like how, moment. I like how Paul takes that idea, Heaven on a Sunday, and he just takes it that one step further and talks about Devon on a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, only only Paul would go, yeah. Heaven, <laughs> Devon, okay, let's go there. You know, I think that's, yes. that's a really nice move. For people in Britain who know what Devon is like, a kind of a sleepy, you know, coastal kind of place down south, I think um, that's, that's a lovely little touch he's put there. And I like his singing on it as well. I like his... Um, I like his voice again. It's that sort of slightly fragile kind of falsetto head voice, which which works well. It's just yeah, 
As I say, I think inoffensive would be the uh, the adjective. He, he probably falls back on a few kind of melodic structures that he's used before. You know that kind of, um, but it's a dream worth going through. That that kind of thing that he does. Mm. He's done that before, and he does that relatively yeah. often. Yeah. So you know, we we could have had a little bit more inventiveness melodically maybe on this one. So he wrote this thing on a boat in '96, August '96. So you had said yacht rock previously. Yep. It is, in fact, mm-hmm. Yacht Rock, written on a boat. Recorded <laughs> September. <laughs> recorded September and October 96, and there were some overdubs at Abbey Road that were done. You guys had also mentioned James McCartney. You know, they trade. It's like an electric versus an acoustic guitar solo back and forth. Mm-hmm. And the French horn quartet, that was added in. So that's Michael Thompson. That's a really nice touch. Yeah. He did Wanderlust on Broad Street. So that's what I had right. pulled from that. Yeah, I mean, they could very easily have gotten a synthesizer and maybe not even gone with a with a horn sound on the synthesizer. We've gotten a similar vibe from a synth, but they brought the horns in and it's really classy. It sounds really organic and cool. If I only had one The harpsichord at the end is pretty cool. I, I like that. Yes. It feels, yeah, it's Yacht Rock. I love Yacht Rock, so I'm all in on this tune. I guess I'm the outlier here. You're not the outlier. I like Yacht Rock. Oh, no, we, we do too. No, we had Kenny Loggins on our podcast. Okay, <laughs> okay well, <laughs> all right. The high priest of Yacht Rock. Your credentials are larger than us. I get it, yeah. Oh, man, he was awesome. <laughs> you mentioned that he's done some of these melodic inflections before, and, and that's true. I don't mind hearing them here. They're they're pretty effective. The chord changes are nice. Adult contempo, but with a little roughness, actually. It's kind of cool. It's a good track eight. The lyrics, as we've already discussed, are pretty inventive. I like cooling my fingers. That's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. You don't often think about cooling your fingers, you know, in the bay. That's nice. Yeah, good visual imagery. I, yeah. So, you know, it's just another one of those songs that, yeah, it doesn't quite sort of announce itself. You know, it's just kind of there. It works fine. It does have a nice sound. Yeah, I think it could have been left off, really. And it, do, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't quite fit sort of stylistically with the rest of the, the album, right. maybe. Why do you say that? I don't know. Again, it's maybe just, it's that vibe. It's that electric piano. Again, I keep going back to, it, it sounds more like a, a sort of a Chris Rea song. That's all I can keep saying. That's what it, what it evokes me whenever I hear it. Right. And you're hearing it as, as disjointed as opposed to being a nice contrast. Yeah, I think that's think that's it. Yeah, you put it better than okay. me. Okay, well, I would leave it on. It's one of the ones I like, but I hear your critique. Speaking of songs that should be removed from the album, track nine <laughs> used to be bad. <laughs>
it's a 12 bar blues <laughs> in E. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's he, he can knock that out in his in his sleep, and so, so can Steve Miller, and they, they may well have done, quite honestly. Um, yeah, again, it's just another one of those that could, like, if you want it, really, could have been. Um, I don't know if you felt obliged to use, like, almost all of the stuff he did with Steve Miller or what, but yeah, um, yeah I think it could have been um, next, that one, for, for a better song, to be honest. Yeah, Paul said we did the vocal in one take. Well, it sounds like it, you know? And. <laughs> Yeah, he's back in his wildlife days. Right. Paul goes on to say he's like, he was making fun of Steve Miller for his vocal warm-up technique, I guess. And we said earlier on this episode, it's like, well, Paul's voice is kind of getting rough around the edges. And I guess Paul just doesn't warm up his voice at all when he performs. He plays those three, four-hour shows, doesn't take a drink of water. We've mentioned that on the show before. But here's Paul making fun of mm. Steve Miller. Paul is making fun of Steve Miller on Used to Be Bad. Like, wow. It's like such a meta, bizarre moment for me. Strike this <laughs> one off. Make it a B-side. Like, these are the frustrating moments. Even some of the B-sides are preferable. Broomstick might be preferable. Yeah, yeah I would say sure. so. Sounds better, you know? There's plenty of other examples throughout Paul's solo career, really. He's not he always the best judge of what belongs on a record um, and what should stay on the cutting room floor, as it were. I mean, there's countless examples of songs that, I mean, that he never officially released, that, that are still kind of languishing, sort of just, you know, the only versions you can hear are on YouTube um, these days that, you know, could, could easily have, um, have replaced songs on some of his most successful albums, you know. Well, he does have a tendency to honor his collaborators by including their contributions. So I suspect he did feel obligated to include the Steve Miller tracks. That was part of this album for him, and that's probably why they're there. I'm thinking of Hey Hey on Pipes of Peace, where he had all those yeah. guest artists on it, and we figured that's probably why it's there. Very possibly, yeah. 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 Well, let's move on to Souvenir, track 10. I particularly love this tune. This one is written January 95 in Jamaica, recorded February 96 in Hog Hill. What I find fascinating is that Paul wanted to actually release the demo, and they're like, no, 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 you can't release the demo, because it has all these extra sounds, like a ringing telephone, or it started to rain when he was performing the song. But they used this cassette that Paul recorded as a guide track. And so he's overdubbing everything against this cassette as a guide. I think that's why it has the feel that it has, because I particularly like this one. I do a lot of writing on holiday, uh, you know, when the pressure's off. And I was actually in Jamaica, beautiful Jamaica, sweet Jamaica. And in the afternoon, I sat down and started writing a song which turned out to be Souvenir. It was kind of a little soul-y thing, like um, 
This one was a, like like a little sort of uh, you know Wilson Pickett, little soul singer, R&B person in mind. I had I was playing that role, and a little arpeggio going in the guitar. Imagine someone really getting to grips with that one. It was really cool, and I, I wrote, made this little demo, and it started like the phone went in the middle of the demo, dring, dring, and I sort of ignored it, and then it started raining, a real big tropical downpour in the middle of the demo. So I loved the demo, and I almost wanted to use the demo, actually. I liked it so much, it had so much atmosphere. You could just hear the phone ringing, you could just hear what was going on, hear people moving around as I was writing it, sticking it down. So I said to Jeff Lynn, who was producing it, I said, look, let's take this demo, and instead of what you normally do, is take it, take all the information off it, and then renew it, and wreck it normally, put a new uptight feeling on it that wasn't there before, you know, hooray. So we made, we put it on the tape as like the guide track, and we we had to just put it a little bit more in time in one or two places, but we got it so that there it was. And then I just replaced it all, listening to exactly the same phrase, but putting better quality recording on it. I think it's my favorite on the album. I know it's my favorite on the album. It's right there with Calico Skies. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I when I first heard the album many moons ago, um, it was one I tended to skip, to be honest. Huh. It just didn't grab me. But in, in revisiting the album for this, I found it was one of the ones that grabbed me the most. It, it became suddenly quite arresting. You know, it's kind of a kind of a genre exercise, you might you might say, but it, it really works. Great vocal, Paul's gritty kind of soul voice, which is always kind of welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That nice sort of circular yeah. guitar riff. Some nice little production flourishes from, from Jeff Lynn on there. I like those production flourishes, and for me, it makes this album quite Beatles-y, actually. Even if the song isn't exactly Beatles-y, the production, the records, really got a lot of Beatles flourishes and non-self-conscious ones. I'm thinking of the arpeggiated guitar, the... Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, dun. That thing is really Beatles-y. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as I said earlier, that, that's like a characteristic of a lot of the album. Those, there's a lot of, lot of arpeggios. He was into his arpeggios when he was making that one. But, it, you know, it, it certainly does um, recall the Beatles a lot. And as I said, lyrically, I think it's it's very affecting. And as a, another, it's, it's sort of nostalgic and it's wistful and there's a longing to it. And he, he could again be talking about you know his relationship with Linda or he could be talking about the Beatles again it surprised me how much I I enjoyed this one kind of coming back to it I didn't expect to really
Chris Snake Davis on the sax. I guess Paul kept calling him Lizard during the overdub <laughs> sessions. Yo, Lizard! <laughs> and <laughs> Dave Bishop and Kevin Robinson. Yeah, those are all the horn guys. Yeah, it's a great, great, great song. I see it as a song about Linda. You know, maybe what Paul's going through, as we had mentioned previously, about you know, she's sick. If you if you dig up the lyrics and consider that as you read them. Next track up is Little Willow, track 11. Then, Little Willow, wind's gonna blow you hot and cold tonight. Life as it happens, nobody warns you, Willow, hold on tight. Nothing's gonna shake your love Take your love away No one's out to break your heart It only seems that way And this one was recorded at Hog Hill in November, November 21st. And it's about the death of Maureen Cox, Ringo's ex-wife. And this is a this yeah, is a touching right. song. Yeah, it's a very poignant song, this one, I think. It really shows his ability to respond to events, I guess. He writes in response mm-hmm. to grief quite a bit, maybe. Yeah, and he sort of, I think it was written for her kids as well. He's talking to, yeah. to um, her and, and Ringo's children in that song. It's, it's quite a, a generous gesture really but of course you could also argue that there's an undercurrent of what's going on with, with with Linda at the time as well but there's a tremendous kind of empathy in the song which which really works yes. and I love this is another one where I think Jeff Lynn's contribution is really excellent just you know exactly what's kind of required the back and vocals you know it's it's just just pitched correctly you know, to work. I actually think the Jeff Lynne production is very appropriate, very well done. So, you know, I'm okay with Jeff Lynne once in a while. <laughs> I do put this in the category of supposed to like. I appreciate the circumstances and the intent of the song, and that's all very touching. But I don't, don't really like the song. For about the same reasons as Some Days. Although I like it better than Some Days. And at least here, I really do like the arrangement and the production quite a lot. Yeah, the cobweb of acoustic guitars. I dig this song. The electric spinet. The backing vocals are particularly nice on this as well. Yeah. Yes. This song was included on the charity album Diana, Princess of Wales. She passed away August 97.
sad song because it's on the album is Really Love You, the next track, track 12, <laughs> recorded in Hog Hill, <laughs> May 14th. And I'm sorry if people like these tunes, you know, write us and we'll share these notes with Brian and Simon. If you love, really love you, or used to be bad, write in. I want to hear why. I think, you know, if, if you're looking at it, it's possible to enjoy these songs. I mean, you know, it's, it's, if, it's, it's how you judge them as songs, I suppose. You know, they're yeah. perfectly well-played jams with a, with a certain kind of energy to them but um if you're judging them as songs then they're they're non-songs really there's 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 nothing really there you know i think that's that's the case with with really love you i mean it was just that the gear was set up in the studio ringo was there so paul got on the bass and 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 that was the result and i try and enjoy this one just on the basis of it's paul and ringo jamming together and kind of showing what after all those years what a, a great tight rhythm section they were you know Macca can do in his sleep, isn't he? Again. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think they said that it, they did three jams in half an hour, and this is one of them, and, and it really sounds like it, doesn't it? It's, mm. you know, it's a jam they knocked out in 10 minutes. And I do like that riff. I like the guitar riff on this one. It, arguably, it, it's a riff that deserves a better song, actually. Yeah, it's a great riff. I do like that riff as well. Yeah, if you enjoy a good jam, this is a good jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you enjoy a good, you know, blues song, Used to Be Bad is a pretty good little blues song, you know. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, really love you does go on for over five minutes. That's stretching your patience if you don't like a good jam, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely they could have yeah shaved a, a couple of minutes off that no problem. And I think if you want it, that's that's I that, don't think we mentioned that earlier, but that seems to go on a long time for what it is, you know. Yeah, it's like we've we've had all the information after about yeah. two minutes, and I think it's you know right, right. It's time to bow out after that. <laughs> that's actually maybe one thing he didn't take from from those early Beatles records where you know songs were typically kind of one minute 50 the brevity mm, thing is maybe yeah. something he could have used with Flame and Pie yeah there's not a song under two minutes on this record and most of them are close to four well the title track is about the right length at least yeah 230 mm. that's great in and title out title track's 227 yeah I mean, great day in Calico and things. They're nice and nice and short, but yeah, a couple a couple of songs are a bit bit kind of flabby and, and overlong. The last thing I have to say about "Really Love You" is the line "A bear needs a break." It's stunning, <laughs> really. <laughs> I love you like a bear needs a break. I like the line about the heart pumping on a plate. Oh, yeah. He's just making it up, man, as he's going along, and that's what he says in those interviews. It's like an actor who's on stage but he doesn't know his lines and he's just winging it. Track 13 though, Beautiful Night. I can't wait to see what you guys think about this one. This is one of the big ones on the, on the record. Ringo's drumming. We've seen this in the mid eighties where there's versions that came up for the Return to Pepperland record. And this was a single that hit 25 in the UK, 1997. Yeah, what do you guys think? Beautiful night. Everybody must know this one if you're listening to this podcast. 
Yeah, because we talked about it on the Pepperland episode. I think overall it's a definite highlight as a piece of writing and, you know, McCartney's um, ability to just fashion a great melody and, and have it sit as a ballad. It, it reminds me a little bit of that other song from, um, was it Chaos and Creation, This Never Happened Before? Yeah. It, where he just, he makes mm, that move yeah. with that chord. Um that, that just opens out the song melodically and you think, oh, classic McCartney. Well, this is another example of that for me. It's, it's just a beautifully crafted ballad. There's a slight kind of mawkishness to the overall arrangement, if I'm honest, that I don't really love. But you've got Ringo, you've got a really strong melody, and it's, it's Paul being Paul kind of at his best, really, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, this one for me is sort of, it's to Flaming Pie what maybe maybe I'm amazed was to to McCartney. It's like, you know, there's a sort of casual homemade vibe, but it's like, oh, we, we need to kind of close this out with, with a, you know, a bit of a, you know, epic ballad. Yeah, I think it works. And I think it's it's certainly um, far superior to the, to the Return to Pepperland version where, well, he's kind of tweaked it musically a little bit, but also just in terms of the production, you know, you know, I think... Um, kind of night and day compared with the one he recorded 10 years before you know it's just and it, and it benefits from that some boats gone out fishing some boats high and dry some boats on mission to the lonely Lorelei some folks got a vision of a castle in the sky
think what, what I love about this as well is Ringo's contribution, Ringo's drumming is typically great. He, he just proves kind of what a sympathetic musician he is. He's playing as kind of such a character without drawing too much attention to himself. You know it's him, but, you know, he's all about the song. And I think for me, he kind of grounds it, you know, with his back and vocal contributions as well. Well, you get a little sense of the Beatle-esque kind of moves when you get that sort of slightly chorused electric piano kind of sound, you know, Castles in the Sky, mm. Castles in Versailles. Yeah. It's a little bit Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, that moment, isn't it? I think that's a nice little throwback as well. Yeah. 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 I love the bridge to this song. When the bridge comes on, it feels like I'm listening to classic Paul McCartney. I get such a big feeling out of that. And I know that he's singing about Linda in that moment. And... I, yes. I love it. I love a good middle eight, you know, and I think that's right. You know, yeah. a, a good a good middle eight should kind of earn its place in the in the song, and and that one definitely does. outro works really well as well doesn't it like using that sort of shift in the outro it's quite euphoric that as a finish yeah it's basically those it, those uh, essentially those middle eight chords just kind of sped up yeah. cha- the order slightly changed but yeah no I think that works well with the, especially with the orchestra as well it's a nice driving kind of feel to it the Beatles were back together at least in the time Anthology's out Flaming Pie has just been released I know Yellow Submarine was about to come out again it was that 60s nostalgia back in the 90s and so those Mm -hmm. are the memories I have from this record moments like that yeah this one's at the very top of my supposed to like list (laughs) and I was kind of just gonna (laughs) sit back and and let you guys and let you guys convince me, because this is one where I'm ready to be convinced by a good argument. And were you? Know. you? And uh, <laughs> you, make some, you make some pretty good arguments. It's almost McCartney self-pastiche again, with the lyrics being really zany in a, in a way that I, I don't love. Yeah, I, I do agree to a point on the, on the lyrics. I think um, you, you could pick apart, as you can with a lot of Paul's songs, I think if you were to just take the lyrics you know, isolate those from the song, then, you know, they're, they're not going to stand up to a lot of scrutiny. But I think the melody is, is strong. The, the song is strong enough to carry 
it's a good melody. I agree with that. Yeah, and yeah. I do, and I do as as Ryan said about the um the, the lyrics in the middle eight. I think that's a that's a great couple of lines there. I think sometimes sure. melodies are so strong that they elevate ordinary words in some. Yeah, or instances. nonsensical ones. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. There is something to that because it the the words do sound beautiful in those first two verses, however absurd they might be. Yeah, I did say however absurd. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful arrangement by George Martin on that one. Beatlesy in a very good way. Classic George Martin. Great yeah. footage of that as well in the uh, in the in the World Tonight documentary, which is available in full on YouTube, listeners. Yeah, um, some really nice footage of of the the orchestra recording in, in Studio One. Is it? Is it Studio mm-hmm. One? Yeah, the, the big one in Abbey Road, and um, and some nice sort of funny interaction with with Paul and and George Martin. I think it's it's one observation I made is how he, you know, he's got both George Martin and Jeff Emmerich involved on this record, which I think was maybe, maybe a conscious effort to sort of evoke the Beatles again. And and I always got the sense Paul appreciated those guys, maybe more than the others, uh, maybe more than John did. I know John sort of bad mouthed George Martin at one point, and although he bad mouthed pretty much everyone he ever came into contact with. Um, but uh, but Paul always really. I mean, I think he had the closest relationship with George Martin of of the four. He sort of viewed him as kind of a the second father in a way, and they just seemed to really meld well, kind of musically. I always got the sense he really appreciated what they did, you know, what they did on those Beatles records, and you know, I got the sense that him in, including them on like Tug of War and, and Pipes of Peace and on Flame and Pie was a, a sort of a Almost a little nod to that, you know, showing this kind of appreciation for those guys. And also, obviously, they're just really good at their jobs. This album is Great Day, which we mentioned during Calico Skies, which is great. It really is. And I'm not trying to be funny. It's a really great little song. We dug a bit. The possible source of inspiration might be It's Gonna Be a Great Day by Francis Langford, which is a song from 1948. And Chris, you had oh mentioned a while back... But there's some similarity between this track and Big Barn Bed. And the end of Ram On as it goes into Backseat of My Car. This is a tune that we've heard now three times. Bum, 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 bum. We've heard that three times. This is an outright quote that's in all three of these places. The same natural minor, you know, tune. So it's, yeah, he's already referring to himself on Big Barn Bed when he uses that. And now going back, we find out that he wrote some sort of song, I guess, must have written it around the time of Big Barn Bed, huh? Who's that 
mean, supposedly it's from 74, but he must have had it, you know, knocking around earlier than that. We have a little demo of this, of just the acoustic guitar part that I found from the 70s. We'll Mm -hmm. play right now. that song um there's that footage of him playing it for his kids outside is it hey diddle hey diddle right yeah i think it might come from around that time kind of yeah early early 70s has that sound yeah, has yeah. that vibe yeah even bip bop if you look at the demos of bip bop it's that same kind of you know picking guitar with a little you know folk melody on top of it mm-hmm. it's linda's last appearance as well on a on a paul album which gives it a mm-hmm. you know slight poignancy but she sounds great on it and mm-hmm probably wasn't possible but it's a shame she's not a little bit more present on on the record but i'm guessing there were, there were yeah. reasons for that but she sounds great her voice really works well and kind of just you know reminds you of of, of ram and and that kind of thing also yeah. one thing i like is how it ends on slightly unresolved you know that sort of string bend mm-hmm. it just leaves it kind of hanging which i think paul was on the verge of big sort of changes in his life and kind of on the you know threshold of the of the unknown really that's what i hear when i hear that kind of unresolved yeah. end of the song it's kind of like oh i'm a bit uncertain about the future a hundred percent i agree with you but even though obviously the song was recorded about five years previous but it's just that it's, you know <laughs> these are the things you sort of ascribe to to, to songs when you hear them. Uh, yeah but he still chose to put it there mm-hmm. yeah, this is a great way to end the album it's sort of a long her majesty in a way it has the same sound as Calico Skies. They were recorded, as we noted earlier, at the same session. And it's beautiful vocal, just like Calico Skies. As we said before, I could easily take a whole album of this kind of stuff. Oh, by the way, more excellent knee slapping from Paul on this track. <laughs> right. We've heard now uh, Put It There and Goodbye and a, a few. Wow, he really knows how to slap a knee. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy can get music out of anything. So that just about wraps up the album proper, Flaming Pie. You know, we have a few extra tracks lying around. Now, there are some B-sides, and I know you guys wanted to talk about Love Come Tumbling Down.
Yeah, I just think that's a really striking one that's sort of hung around for a while, but hasn't ever really been had, had its moment in the spotlight, really. And I think it's, well, it, it's a striking song because it sounds kind of different to, certainly to the stuff that's on Flaming Pie. I mean, I don't think it would have belonged on that album. Yeah, it was, when was it recorded during those Pepperland sessions, was it? 87. Right, okay. Yeah. And, and it has that, it has, you know, that um, aesthetic, I guess, um, of the the sort of, I mean, it's almost kind of Kate Bush-esque when it starts, isn't it? That mm. sort of atmospheric melody that's being plucked out, um, which then returns as a melody later on. And he, he's got a kind of a, a happy version of the chorus, isn't he, in the song, you know, where he's singing Love Come Tumbling Down, which sounds more like Girlfriend or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then he yeah. revisits that title mm. with the riff in a much more kind of evocative expression of it, which I think just speaks to his endless kind of variation on, yeah. on a theme, you know. That's one of a few songs from that period that I think could probably have bumped a couple of songs off uh, of Flowers in the Dirt for me. I think I think there were better songs in the in the stockpile mm. and that's that's definitely one of them. Although he was going for more of a he was making an album that he he could play live, wasn't he? I suppose, um, so, hence the sort of kind of figure of eights and the this ones and things like that. Maybe something like Love Come Tumbling Down wouldn't have worked so much in that in that context. But no, I think that's a, a real undiscovered gem. Brian, I completely agree with you. Amazing song. It was Brian and Simon, it has been so much fun. I cannot believe how the time has just flown by. Thank you so much for being on our show. I remember hearing your podcast going on a long drive to Las Vegas, and I was just, it was me and both of you, five hours both ways. So it's really come full circle for me. Oh, that's lovely to hear. Thanks for having us. I mean, love what you guys are doing. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. You really know your onions. I mean, I thought I was a, I was a macamaniac, but then you know I heard this podcast, and you know I should probably hand in my uh, macamaniac credentials. Um, but no, it's great. Oh, you what guys you- are you guys are both aces. Yeah, this was fantastic. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. Keep it up, guys. We really love what you're doing. Same to you. Thank you so much. How about Brian and Simon? Great guys. Well, they know they're Macca. I'm impressed. Yes. And they also had very, very thoughtful interpretations of the songs. I thought they really made their cases really well, both of them. Absolutely. So check them out. Go to sodajerker.com or search in any of the podcast places that you listen to your shows at and enjoy because it is a treasure trove. A treasure trove of stuff. But we have some more work to do here, Chris and I. 
we're going to walk you through the extras. We're not over yet. So we'll start off with looking for you. my world tonight single here yes this is a b-side on the cd single for the world tonight along with yeah. ubu jubu part one recorded may 14th 1996 at hog hill it's the b-side to both young boy and the world tonight and it is a b-side most certainly it's generated from the same session as really love you it is not as good as really love you and i'm glad it's a b-side The next track is another Steve Miller song, Broomstick, recorded 5595 at Hog Hill, a B-side to Young Boy, the CD single number two. I like this one. This is a good little song. Swap this out for, well, really love you, or it used to be bad. Yeah. And I think that would actually make the album a little better for me. It's not that I love this song, but I do think it's better than some of these some of these blues tracks on 
the actual album. Yeah, absolutely. Nice acoustic guitar sound on Broomstick. Is that a double bass? Acoustic bass, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a nice rockabilly kind of atmosphere to it that I like. Hiroshima Sky is Always Blue. Now, this is a strange one. It's Yoko Ono, Sean Lennon, and Paul with a few members of Paul's family. And this is a weird little number, isn't it? It sure is. It sounds a lot like Yoko's work in the 60s. Some of the stuff even that she did with John on their albums together in 68, 69, that period. Pretty avant-garde. It's got Yoko doing some interesting vocals. As always. As always. (laughs) And the occasion was the 50th anniversary of the dropping of the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. Right. But this remains unreleased. And it's kind of a shame because I think it's, it's nice. And everybody always talks about, oh, Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. Paul and Yoko don't get along. They very clearly get along now and have for quite some time. Especially if they're in the studio recording together. So it's on YouTube. You can check it out on YouTube if you if you want to hear it. From there, we have a track called The Ballad of the Skeletons, which is something Paul recorded in 96 with Allen Ginsberg. And it's a co-written track, Paul Philip Glass. It reached number eight on the Triple J Hottest 100 <laughs> for that year. It's weird. Said the presidential skeleton, I won't sign the bill. Said the speaker's skeleton, yes you will. Said the representative skeleton, I object. Said the Supreme Court skeleton, what do you expect? Star bombs, said the upper class skeleton, starve unmarried moms, said the Yahoo skeleton, stop dirty art, said the right wing skeleton, 
forget about your heart. Allen Ginsberg's having a left-wing rant, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. really unrestrained. He's doing a like a list song. <laughs> the skeletons of the pro-life people, the skeletons of the <laughs> anti-marijuana people, whoever. Yeah, he's, he's inveighing against everybody here. Yeah, it's not much of a song, though, is it? It's, it is very much a political thing. The music is actually fairly bland studio accompaniment. I don't hear a lot of Macca touch in no. there. And I think Philip Glass just appears at the beginning. Right. I think he just does the little orchestration at the beginning. And I know Lenny Kay's on there. Uh, it's not very clear. You can check out the video on YouTube where Alan is <laughs> dressed up as like Uncle Sam going through all these verses. And it's, it's fascinating, to say the least. I remember finding out about it online in the late 90s. And downloading it and being like, what is this? Why is mm. this? Well, because of Allen Ginsberg, who was getting old. They were celebrating him, I think. Yeah. And on that release, it's a CD EP release from 96, you have the main track, The Ballad of the Skeletons, which is 7 minutes and 46 seconds. Then there's an edit, 407. There's a version of Amazing Grace you can check out. And then there's a clean edit. But that's also 746, so it seems like they intended to play this on the radio, get it out there. I Mm. never heard it on the radio. I can't imagine it on the radio in America. Yeah, like a remix. The radio remix of Ballad of the Skeletons. Eat the budget crunch, said the neoconservative skeleton, homeless off the streets, said the free market skeleton, use them up for meat. Tank skeleton, free markets the way. Said the savings and loans skeleton, make the state pay. Said the Chrysler skeleton, pay for you and me. Said the nuke power skeleton, and me and me and me. Then I want to spend as little time as possible on this one. It's a song called Little Children by the Peter Kirtley Band from 98. And I don't know if it counts, but we are the complete podcast and so it's a charity release cd single and it has special guest vocals in air quotes by paul but it's more spoken word but we will play a little fragment of it here Every day, lots of street children are being murdered here in Rio. I have this information because I'm a policeman. I know what's going on. I've seen it with my own eyes. From there, we have two songs that I have not heard these. Soul Boy and Sweet Home Country Girl. These are two that did not make it out of the Steve Miller sessions with Paul. But there is evidence that they exist. 
Then a unique track, Stella May Day, which I remember reading about this 20 years ago. It's recorded May 1st, 95, and it's background music to a fashion show for Stella McCartney. And we have it, and we can play it. sounds like a bit of a garage band number yeah it's strangely the drums are very muffled and it's pretty pretty ripping electric guitar rather primitively mic'd yeah it sounds like kind of cool kind of punk i dig it it's that hog hill stella probably had some show i'm not clear on what it was or why it was but that's that's nice to have a fashion show and have some unreleased paul mccartney music playing over the pa kind of sure thing cool yeah Next track is a song called Whole Life, which is with Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. We're going to come back to this one in 2003 when it was properly released. It was recorded May 18th, 95, and then again, November 18 and 19 that same year. So one of those ones that was hanging on in the archives, they brought back out. Interesting to see him working with Dave Stewart. We will come back to this. We'll come back to that. So there are a series of recordings from a radio show. It's the Flaming Pie radio show. There's some improv that Paul did. And these aren't technically songs, but I think they're so funny and interesting. I would like to just play them in their entirety, if we can, okay. or as, as much of them as we can. Okay. Come on, baby, won't you come home with me and welcome to the castle. So Paul's fooling around on a Mellotron. He's given a demonstration of it, and he improvises a song. It's very funny. Take a listen. But you get stuff like this. I love the sound. Ooh, come on, baby. Can I buy you a drink? All right. I'll have a gin in it. Well, come on, baby, my little darling. Want to drink with me? Come on, honey, maybe we'll go back to my flat. My flat. I love your soul. Come on, little baby. All right, all right, I think I'll come out your flat with you, yeah, you know. It's oh so smoochy here in this apartment block. I really love it. Would you like another drink, my dear? I'll go on and twist my arm. Yeah, it's back. Yeah, I do 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 do. You see, you can have acres of fun on these things. Oh, France! Welcome to the castle. <laughs> Quite a windy night out here. <laughs> but you know, I always love it here in Hirschwick von Schlechtlein. <laughs> have another tankard with me before we retire for the night. <laughs> Oh, Hans, you're so hospitable. Mm-hmm. All right, mate. Who's this Hans character? I've never heard of him. <laughs> Don't worry, my darling. <laughs> We're all together. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the old Mellotron. And, uh... There's another track from that radio show called Baby Don't You Do It, which is just Paul improvising on a harpsichord. And it's kind of cool. If you want, check that one out. 
There's a track called A Room with a View, which is a cover. Chris, I know you know something about this one. In fact, it's too bad Simon and Brian are gone because Noel Coward is sort of a British figure. His music was considered way too uncool, like for Sinatra to sing, for example. You won't hear- Is that right? He might sing one song, like on his British, Sinatra has a British album. I think there might be a Noel Coward song on there. But generally speaking, you wouldn't hear Noel Coward alongside Cole Porter or the Gershwins. He was seen as a bit uh, parlor music, I guess. Right. Yeah, the track we're looking at here was recorded by Noel Coward in the late 20s, and we can put Paul's version and Noel Coward's version side by side. I will say that Paul is doing an intentional recording pastiche thing here. So he's making it sound like an old 78, you know, sort of stuffy style and primitive recording techniques and making it sound like an actual Noel Coward record. So I'll put them side by side for you to enjoy. Cool. A room with a view and you and no one to worry us, no one to hurry us through this dream we found. We'll gaze at the sky and try to guess what it's all about, then we will figure out why the world is round. We'll be as happy and contented as birds upon a tree, high above the mountains and seas. A room with a view and you and no one to worry us no one to hurry us through this dream we found we'll gaze at the sky and try to guess what it's all about then we will figure out why the world is round We'll be as happy and contented as birds upon a tree High above the mountains and sea We'll build and we'll coo And sorrow will never come or will it ever come true Our room with a few Now, then there's a series of songs that we have listed that are unreleased and I haven't heard, but I guess they're kicking around in some form. So the first one is Dream Come True. It's from 96, and it was an unreleased track that was recorded and seen in a Stella McCartney documentary. So Paul's performing some unknown acoustic song, and that's that one. And there's a couple of these tracks, Let Me Love You Always, and Hey Now, What Are You Looking At Me For? Little bits, like they're proper Paul McCartney songs, but they were used in Fireman tracks. The album Rushes, Palo Verde, Bison, Aura Veda, and 7AM. And then more clearly you can hear Hey Now in Twin Freaks' remix of Temporary Secretary. The line, say goodbye, it's repeated over and over. And that's from the song, 
I haven't heard these songs, but we know they exist. Interesting. And 12 of the clock? Supposedly, it's an instrumental which opened one of the Ubu Jubu radio shows. I can't figure out what it is. I read somewhere that it was from 78, and take that read somewhere for what it's always worth. Yeah. That it's actually an older track. Right. It's, it's a Rude Studio demo. Did he do a studio version? I mean, I thought Blackpool was only ever a demo, but we found out that during the tug of war sessions, there's a proper <laughs> horn arrangement, <laughs> full studio <laughs> version. Yeah. Bummer that that stuff doesn't exist for us to hear, at least not yet. Next track is a track called Bishop's Gate, which I really happen to like. It's an impromptu yeah. song from Paul's VH1 TV special during this Flaming Pie era. You like it? Sounds like you like it. It's okay for an impromptu song. I kind of like the idea that he comes out having just written a song. He's even talked, I'll play the intro to it, where he's talking about how he's not sure he can remember the words. Okay. So here you go. Here's where we drive the sound men mad. Um, You've got to sing a bit, okay, audience? I was sitting in my dressing room just before, and I thought, well, I'd be mad if I could come up with some little song about Bishopsgate, all right? And now it'll be really mad if I can remember it. Yeah. Uh, but where your bit is, uh, sound that. All you gotta do is. You gotta do. Come on back. Come on back. Okay. Come on back. Come on back. That's it. So remember that's your bit. Okay. I'll try and remember the song now. Yeah, okay. Oh, now, baby, now the bishop's gate ain't what it used to be. He came over from America and he put it on the TV. Well, now they say that they're coming back and I can hardly wait. Come on back, come on back, back to the bishop's gate. Now you want time. Come on back. Come on back. Back to the bishop's So 97, Paul and James wrote a song called Wings of a Lightest Weight. And James McCartney released it in 2001 on his EP, Close at Hand. And we'll play a little bit of that for you now. Looking at you now. Realizing who you are I've known you I've known you all my life One moment I'm arguing with you Thinking I could put up a fight But I only love you I love you whoever is right And I think to myself It couldn't be any other way So I think to myself It shouldn't be any other way It wouldn't be any other way Watching you fly away Whilst your wings overlie this weight 
carry you back through the heat of the wind. Then I have a little list of tracks that are demos or MPL registrations from 94. I'll read through them. Find Love, which I think is Young Boy. Chemical Soup, Another Idea, Wait in the Dark, I Got Love, Can't Get Through to You, Check It Out, If You Ever, and that could be If You Wanna, you know, If You Ever, If You Ever. Jack Be Nimble, Give Me the Right to Freedom, which I think is freedom. I think Paul wrote the song, and the story about him writing it on an airplane is PR man stuff. But we'll get to that. Well, I figure, I figure Find Love must be Young Boy too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have nothing. While away the hours, changing minds, and then this track called Cello in the Ruins. It was meant to be released, and it sounds like they kept working on it, and it just never came out. Well, yeah, that just about wraps up all the tracks on Flaming Pies. Quite a bit of them, huh? So this album ended up number two in the UK albums charts, number two in the US Billboard 200, top three in Europe, Italy, Norway, so on and so forth. You can check all these charts off. It was hugely successful, Flaming Pie. And it went gold in the US, the UK, Japan, Norway. And many think that it was his best since Tug of War, at least the critical reviews I found. The album debuted at number two in the UK, you know. So that was Paul's best new entry since Flowers in the Dirt, which is almost a decade before, eight years before. It was kept mm-hmm. off the top spot by the Spice Girls album, Spice. <laughs> well, you can't go up against Spice, no, come on. it's impossible. You'll never win against Spice. So Flaming Pie hit number two in the charts with 121,000 copies sold in its first week behind Spice. That's not bad. It's really not bad. Yeah for the 90s for Paul. The singles Young Boy, The World Tonight, and Beautiful Night, all of which were released as picture discs, became UK hits. They all hit the top 40. I'd mentioned some of this before. The only single in the US was The World Tonight, and it was a top 30 entry. To promote this record, Paul held an online chat party, I guess, and the event entered the Guinness Book of World Records for the most people in an online chat room at once. So both Brian and Simon mentioned this, as well as our friend Paul Kaminsky. And you should check out Wayne Kaminsky's show, Yesterday and Today, which is another podcast. Check that one out. It's Beatles-related. It's amazing. There's this In the World Tonight film, which is about the making of the album. And I actually have only seen parts of it, but Chris, you've seen it. Like, what's that like? Yeah. Oh, it's really fun to watch. It's, I would say, about as in-depth as some of the Flowers in the Dirt making of stuff. And it's also pretty tasteful. We were talking earlier about the god-awful music videos for this album, especially The World Tonight. But actually, they sort of made their own little videos in that movie, The World Tonight. And they're better than the official videos. They're much more tasteful. You get a, a really intimate look at Paul at this time, both in the studio and interacting with engineers yeah. and with his collaborators so yeah, I highly recommend looking that up. It also includes this entire VH1 video we were talking about. Yeah, I've got to check out that in depth. I only saw some clips before the show. And so I had mentioned earlier the hour-long radio show 
the Flaming Pie show that was broadcast on May 5th, 97. That was on BBC Radio 2. That's pretty cool if you can find it as well. Flaming Pie received a Grammy nomination for Album of the Year, but Bob Dylan won it with his record Time Out of Mind. And then just one small thing that Calico Skies was re-recorded for 2003's War Child Hope Peace Songs as a charity album. And check that version out if you'd like. So there are also a couple of Linda McCartney songs. We're going to touch on those later because this episode is jam-packed with material. And so we'll get back yeah, to we're that. We're trying for the most part to make 97 the cutoff. And these Linda McCartney songs are getting into 98. So we'll get back to them. Don't worry. Yep. Final thing involving Flaming Pie extras. If you're curious, look up Working Classical from 1999. Calico Skies and Some Days both appear on there, played by the Loma Mar Quartet. How about a little press? Okay, press. Press. Eliza Gardner, LA Times, May 25, 1997. On his latest effort, the old bloke sounds more inspired and, well, less goofy than he has in years. One elegant acoustic ditty, Calico Skies, could even work as a sequel to Lennon's Norwegian Wood, in which the guy finally persuades the girl to stick around. Dig that one. Neil Strauss, the famous author, I'm sure a few of you have heard about him, May 20th, 97, from the New York Times, he states, He seems to be cursed by a homing device that constantly sends him into the middle of the road. Little harsh, little harsh, but maybe you're right, Neil, maybe you're right. This is from Rolling Stone, Anthony DeCurtis, June 6, 1997. Still, Flaming Pie finds McCartney grappling with history, both personal and public, in intriguing ways. As a figure who has shaped the course of pop history, he knows that he could get away with doing less these days, but only at his peril. Pretty good quote. And then STE from allmusic.com, our friend Stephen Thomas Airline. A largely acoustic collection of simple songs, Flaming Pie is direct and unassuming, and at its best, it recalls the homely charm of McCartney and Ram. McCartney is at his best when he doesn't try so hard and lets his effortless melodic gifts rise to the surface. That's a great quote. And that just about wraps it all up. Any final thoughts, Chris? Wow, what an episode. We met Brian and Simon and got their perspective on things. It was a tough episode for me. It's not always easy to give your honest opinion on things when you don't like them and other people do. So cut me some slack. And remember that this show is actually founded on questioning McCartney narratives and debunking 
bad criticism, you know? Right. And sometimes that works the other way. Sometimes it means you don't like the things that are held up as great. So, right. Thanks again to Simon Barber and Brian O'Connor from Soda Jerker on Songwriting, the podcast. These guys are amazing, brilliant guys. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. I, such a treat, such a delight. I'm big fans, and I keep saying that, but I really am very humbled by the experience. And we'll see you next time with Driving Rain, and we'll go out with a little taste of that next episode. Thanks again. Martha, My Dear by John Lennon and Paul McCartney, realized by Ryan Brady.